our Sunday school lesson. And I'm going to talk about something. So everybody in here, all these age people, so, you know, different things. When you talk to younger people, you learn different things and what they know and what they don't know for sure, which is why I always like talking to little people. <clears throat> um, dangerous Blindness is the title of our Sunday school lesson. And, well, I don't know. Yes, probably. We'll talk about it. We'll see after we do this lesson. How did this come about? You know, all the teachings that have been coming forth from everybody, uh, from Father's Church, from this house, and the things that have been going on, and all the discussions, not discussions, but just talking and seeing stuff that's happening around the world and in our country. I have, I, I like to watch documentaries. So that's what I do sometimes. And sometimes even at work, I'll put on YouTube, I'll find a documentary I want to I wanna listen to and I'll, I'll listen to it while I'm working. So I found this, it was an interview that was done with a, with a lady and it was, she's like, she's 92 years old at the time of the documentary that, or the interview that was given. She was a maid in Hitler's house. Berk, the Burkhoff, the Burkhoff, I think is what it's called. And it's, the people used to call it the Eagle's Nest. And she was one of the last surviving staff members that, that worked in his, his home. And it was in Austria, that's where the place was located. And she was an Austrian. So, but in Austria, you do speak German. So I didn't, I didn't know that either. So I'm guessing it had to be that way. They're that close. Anyways, the interview was very interesting because she was really an older lady and they were asking her a question about what it was like to work for Adolf Hitler. The person that was asking her these, doing the interview, was like 27, 28 years old. She wasn't, you know, she wasn't an older person that actually lived through what everybody else did during that time. She was younger, so she, she had her opinions already about what it would have been like to work with, you know, to work for Adolf Hitler. The lady's um, perspective was very interesting. It was very, it was different than I thought it would be. But she was being very honest. She said, it was, it was a great privilege to work for Adolf Hitler. And because you did, you had these papers, and you could go anywhere and do anything because you had these papers that said that you worked for the Fuhrer. And so you were, you were a very special person. And she said, I, I, I had a lot of pride in working for this man. He was very nice and very charismatic towards all of the staff. And, you know, he took care of us in a, just a huge way. I mean, he gave us food. We could take food home to our family. He, when he wasn't there, he made sure that everything was still stocked, that we were not by ourselves. We were, and she just kind of went on and on about him and how nice he was. And then she talked about how awesome it was to meet all these people, you know, Himmler, Goebbels, all these guys we've heard about that we know did very evil and bad things. And so then the girl started asking, well, what did you think about this? And the girl said, we didn't know anything about any of that stuff where we were. We had no idea what was going on outside of 
are one where we were. Now, in Austria, they did have a concentration camp, but apparently she said she had no idea about it. And, and so the woman said, so then after you found out about it, she said it, it was great evil. And she was, at 92, a little bit baffled at how all the people that came to this place and hung out with them, which is really more like a vacation villa than anything else, could be doing this evil stuff when, when her perception of them was, hey, they're, they're pretty cool, they're okay. I was very proud to do that work. And so she's, that, that was baffling. So then even near the end of the, of the conversation, the interview, the, the woman said, so how do you feel now about everything? And she says, well, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I still have a great amount of pride and a, and a good feeling about what I did, about working in that place. She said, but I also realized that, that it's, that's a dangerous blindness that, that occurred in the world during that time because she believed that people knew what was going on and did nothing about it, wouldn't, wouldn't look it in the eye and take care of it, wouldn't address the, the issue. Now, it, that's not true, but that's what, that was her perspective because then she ended. The person interviewing asked her, how do you feel now? And the lady responded, I, I'm, I still feel very proud about what I did. And it was a good time. However, now that I see everything that happened, I'm realizing it's a dangerous blindness to what was really going on. I didn't, because I, she didn't know. But then she ended the interviewing saying, I was still very, I was still very glad and happy that I was there. So it was a weird conflict within her, but you could see it. I, I don't know, I guess she, I, I don't know the, all the details of this woman, but when I was listening to what she was saying, it just kind of sparked a thing in my head about how can you be, because we say this, how can people be so blind to what's going on right now? Now, mind you, I'm not comparing what's going on right now to the time of Hitler. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying how, I say this, how can people be blind to what's happening? How can you not see what's going on, you know, just in the natural, how can you not see what's going on? But in the spiritual, how can all of the people that claim that Jesus is Lord in their lives not see what's happening around them, not see the spiritual effect, the spiritual attack, the spiritual atmospheres that we are, we are operating in? And really, we're operating in a spiritual atmosphere this morning, and I've asked the Lord to, can you... Help us out with that. And, and he said, you need to learn how to be aggravated. I'm just saying, I'm, I'm going to talk to Zach, because Zach understands me, don't you, Zach? You need to learn how to deal with being aggravated and still operate correctly. I don't like that. I want to be aggravated. <laughs> I want to be aggravated now. Right, Bob? productive aggravation and so it's sort of like that thorn that paul had and god take it away and he's like no eh, right mm, where's that that was easy button i need to push that one so you know there's I mean, we we have to operate in this kind of aggravation and and you know it's even you know because we had we had a little bit of it during 
worship practice, right? And like, everybody take a deep breath. And even though I took a deep breath and I even started praying, it was still there. There's still this pressing. And I was, I'm asking the Father, what, what's this all about, okay? What, what's going on? But I do really think at this time in, in, in life, and I think it's always, but at this time it feels like an extra push of whose heart will you believe? Are you going to believe the heart of the Father or are you going to believe the heart of the enemy, the world, whatever? Will you follow his heart or will you follow the enemy, the world, yourself? And I feel like that's a, it's like an apostolic wrestling match that's occurring, which makes people have no patience, makes people be aggravated about everything, and it's also very prophetic as well. I, I I don't know how to better describe it. It's just the atmosphere to me feels like that. And God's like, just keep, just keep operating correctly in this atmosphere and keep on going. Okay, I will do my best, Lord. Here we go. That's what we're all going to do, Lord. We're going to do our best. We're going to keep going. So this dangerous blindness that this, this woman was speaking about just made me think in the, in the spirit realm, do we have that? Yes. Absolutely. In the natural, do we have that? Yes, absolutely. And all of that also adds to the aggravation of the atmosphere because you want people to get it. You want, you want like for instance, we've been praying for our country. You want this country to get it and to make a shift. And it seems like we make some ground and then we lose some ground. We make some, that's what it looks like. Make some ground, then we lose some ground. And we think we're making ground. Now what's going to happen next? And it's all, this all, okay, it's all part of the plan and the atmosphere. Who do we trust? Whose heart do we believe? And it's definitely the Father. So, Zach, do you have any handouts left? Can I please have one? Um, so I looked up, I started looking up blindness. Now, I've talked about being blind, and other people have too. I looked at my teachings. It was way back in 2021. Way back. Way back! <laughs> in 2021, 2021, when I talked about being blind, and it was a different word. This word is, it's on, it's on your sheet. This word is the word, and Vicky can say it better, porous, porosis. That's what it is. Okay? And I don't, I don't have the emphasis in the right place. But still, this is that word, and it's not the word that we studied before, which was to, to fluo, which means to have a mist or something that's kind of covering your eyes so you can't really see. And it, it, This is a different definition, obviously. It means stupid, stupidity or callousness. Now, I can say that because it was in the concordance as a definition. Okay. Um, it's talking about how to become dull. And the last part of the definition that I really like is to lose the power of understanding. None of us want that, either in the natural or in the spiritual. If you look at ha it, this word roots back to poruo, which means to petrify or to harden. All of this kind of makes sense for blindness. And the last word it roots back to is the word poros, which means it's just a kind of stone. This word is the root word for our word or the, the or origin for our word poros. Did I say that right? Because I got all the emphasis in the weird place, so I got to get it right. So we know when you have something that's 
porous. Thank you, Carmen. Something that's porous, we know it doesn't hold anything. It does, I mean, especially liquid, but it doesn't, it just, everything just escapes through. The actual definition means that there's gaps through which liquid or gas can pass through easily. Or maybe not easily, but can pass through. Now, we know what a porous rock, we've talked about that before in Scripture, what that looks like, how that affects our lives when you stand on a porous rock. Anyway, so I thought this was rather fascinating. So if you think about the word blindness in Scripture and our definition of what porous means... What, is it, what does it say about what you're seeing or the eyes of your heart, what is comprehending? And I talked to my, my friend Vicky last night about this word because I thought, this is really crazy. And I put down there, everything pours through, but really you cannot identify what you are seeing. You see it, and I, I don't know, maybe you believe it, I don't know, but it doesn't get to a place of understanding like, I did see that guy fall off the, the, the ladder. But it doesn't get to a place of understanding why did that happen or what's that all about. And so I'm looking at the, this word and the scriptures that are related to it from that, from that viewpoint. They can't understand what they're seeing. Everything kind of pours in one ear and out the other. But I tried to do that with the eyes and it, didn't, it sounded gross. Comes in one eye and pours out the other. So, ew, yeah. Anyway, that's what you were laughing about last night. Okay, so let's look at the first scripture that I have. Now, this word only happens three times. The porosis only happens three times in, in scripture. But the next word down, poroo, happens four more times. So I threw one of those scriptures in there because I thought it was very interesting and understanding how someone like us can become or find ourselves in a blind spot. We don't want to have blind spots when it comes to what God's doing. But let's talk about what might be happening in the world. So in Mark chapter 3, verses 1 through 6, it says, And he entered again into the synagogue, and there was a man there which had a withered hand. And they watched him, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath day, that they might accuse him. So now you understand this is Jesus walking into the synagogue. The people that are watching are the guys we're going to talk about at the very end, the Pharisees. And there's a guy in there with a withered hand. So we can make all our applications that we can about the hand concept. Trying to partner with God. But it was withered. It was dried up. Now, very interestingly, it doesn't say in Mark why this guy had a bum hand. It doesn't come to any conclusion. It doesn't say it's because he sinned. It doesn't say because his parents did this. In Mark, it doesn't say any of that. It just says he has a withered hand. Is it his fault? Is it his family's fault? I mean, people always like and try to find a reason why something happens. Does it, Mark doesn't address this. So these, these guys are watching him, whether he's going to heal on the Sabbath day, that they might accuse him, which I also find so very fascinating that healing someone is considered work which is why they were kind of peeved. Okay, I'll keep moving on. And he says, he said unto them, unto the man, which had the withered hand, stand forth. Now I thought, he just told him to histeme. Mm, no. Stand does not mean histeme. <laughs> I thought so too. It, we got histeme coming later, but not right there. Verse 4, 
And he said unto them, and the, that's another Lego, it is, is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath day or to do evil? To save life or to kill? But they held their peace. I always think that's kind of cool. He asked them questions they couldn't answer, nanny, nanny, poo poo. They had to stand there and just take it. They didn't know what they. Anyway, I'll keep on. And when he looked around, when he looked round about on them, ugh. and when he had looked round about on them with anger, being grieved for the hardness of their hearts, he saith unto the man, Stretch forth thine hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored whole as the other. And the Pharisees went forth and straightway took counsel with the Herodians against him how they might destroy him. They didn't confront him there. They just took off and said, we're going to do this behind the scenes thing. Oh, yeah, I'm going to tell mom. <laughs> so you go, we go back and you look at the scripture in, in, in the way we do as saints, at the words that are in here, and we go, oh, wow, there's a lot more to this than what we just said. That's great understanding. But here's where we do not want to be blind. We must study the word, which I know that Pastor Ron's been really emphasizing that a lot. I know Mark Burke has been talking about it. You can't, you can't just listen. You've got you to gotta know for yourself. You've got to go study the word. Now, we all know that. I'm just encouraging you all to study even more. So let's start off with a word that just totally didn't make sense to me at all. And that is the word had in the very first sentence where it says, and there was a man there which had a withered hand. The word had is the word echo. So this man was echoing a withered hand. Now, again, there's no accusation to that this guy, it was his fault or anything like that, but What's going on now is he's in an atmosphere within himself, I'm going to say it that way, where he was all dried up. He was not being watered from the river of life. He was, I don't know what was happening. And yet he was in the synagogue. So I got to believe that this man had some kind of faith, some kind of relationship and some sort with God. And yet he was in a place that was dried up. He was he had, he had nothing. So, you know, you look at the word withered and it just means wasted away or to waste away. So this is where this man was. I have no idea all of, him, all of his circumstances. He could have felt bad for himself, so he just sat there. I mean, we've all can probably come up with some things that just make us feel dried up. You know, I don't know. Need more lotion. I don't know. So to me... This guy was, was echoing what was already going on within him, what was happening within him. So you get to verse 2, and it says, And they watched. And anybody has something to say, please, as usual, just throw your hand up and go. So, yeah, I don't need to go over what the hand's talking about, right? God reached, yes, okay. Because it's, it's the hollow hand for grasping. So it's the hand that I'm, I'm going to, Get with God. That's my partnership. But we look at the word watched. And, and this is a very interesting word because it's para. Oh, go ahead. I think that shows, too, that he, he was not able to partner with, with in that way with the hand, the hand that was, that was empty, the hand that had nothing in it, but there was a belief for possibilities. He, it's like he'd given up hope for that. Yeah. 
It, it is like that. When you look at the word, and they watched him, and we're talking about the Pharisees, and the word watched is an interesting word because it's paraterio. I thought, Pharisees, they get to do that. I guess they do. They were in the synagogue. So it was, I guess, under their authority. That was their terio, correct? So when you look at the actual definition, it's a, it's a not nice word, though. By, by definition, because it means to inspect alongside, which is great. But it has this tone of which you are breathing down someone's neck, observing what they're doing. That's, that's what it is. You're like, you're coming up behind somebody, peering over their shoulder to see what they're doing. And that's what they were doing. It wasn't a, I am going to, you know, guard over, watch over what's happening because this is my house. It's more of, I'm going to judge what you're doing right now because you know they had an agenda which we we see in the in the rest of the verse they they had an agenda that they were going to see if he was going to heal on the sabbath day now again that shouldn't have been a big deal but it was to the pharisees they had they had the letter of the law and they were going to stick to it very because they wanted to accuse him we know accused to judge or to charge someone with an offense. They were ready to do that. I think this speaks of uh, um, an agenda. Um, and it, it, they might have put this guy with a withered hand up to it. I mean, you know, because they had, they had scoped him out, knew who he was, knew where he was, and was watching him specifically mm. and perhaps even pushed him forward in the path of Jesus. <laughs> Hey, go ask or, him. Or pay him and paid him money. Go make yourself available and, you know, look real pitiful and, and hold your little hand up, you know, and, and see what Jesus does with you. <laughs> yeah. But, but it does. It's, it, <laughs> you know, yeah. Please make it like the other one. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, They're yeah. your parents. You know that, don't you? <laughs> but, but it, uh, you know, this is typical of, of people who, are um, offended by truth they're they're just not offended they're looking for ways to discredit it they they will have an agenda and and this is the the useless arguments that paul warns about don't get involved with don't don't let people suck you into uh, arguing useless things or or things that that they're just they're not concerned with truth they're just trying to use something you're doing righteously uh, and, and make it unrighteous or claim it's unrighteous. Yep. And, uh, and that, that's happening. It is. And it's going to continue to happen. We just need to be aware yep. of, of how that is. And, and part of this is what Jesus, how he responded to them. I mean, mm -hmm. he could have just winked at the guy and his hand just be restored. Yep. You, you didn't even have to say anything. He didn't have to say anything. It yep. just could have you know, happened. But uh, he, had, he, he had, Jesus had, directive and and his directive was to um expose the agenda and i think that's that's pretty much our assignments is is to expose the agenda so that people know that we god knows mm -hmm. who they are and what they're up to yep and i mean the this is going to happen you know we have great favor from the lord right now i don't know if you all have noticed it but i definitely have that, you know, 
just where we walk to, into some place, if there's a something going on, it almost like whoosh, just kind of washes back. I don't know how to describe it for each one of you all, but we have favor in the Lord, and people are are going to come and talk to us, and and things are going to happen. God's going to start having us talk to people. I mean, even more so, and it's just going to be this kind of confrontation, where you know, are you going to heal on the Sabbath? You know, are you really talking about God like there is a God? You know, people are amazed about things. You know, suddenly we stopped and everyone started praying and then we sang the national anthem. Yeah, so? Well, what's that all about? Okay. All right. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Moving on. That's, that's what's going to happen. Um, so they're, they look, they're looking for something to accuse them because they don't want this guy to get back into the action. Whether his motivation was money to start with or whether it was, I really would like to have my hand healed, the Pharisees slash the enemy does not want people to be in place where they're supposed to be doing what God's called them to do. So the Pharisees, they, don't, they didn't want that. Whether they knew what they were saying or whether they knew what was going on, but they're in this agenda that the enemy is trying to carry. They want the heart of the enemy to win in this situation. And the bonus and the, or the icing on the cake is to destroy Jesus. They had no idea what they were up against, but that was their, that was their agenda. So he asked this guy to stand up, and I was going to tell you what that word stand is. Let me see if I can find it. Oh, yeah. Does it mean, does it, it doesn't even root back to a stemme. It just means stand. It means to wake up, arise from this, this place of slumber or inactivity, you know, of just sleeping, just lethargy, lethargy, yep. lethargy. We're all having problems putting yeah. our emphasis on the right syllable. Yeah. So. <laughs> So, so quit just laying around, you know, spiritually speaking, and begin to be who you're supposed to be. Yep. And part of the rest of that was to recall from death to life. So the mm. death of not functioning to a point of liveliness. Mm. And, you know, just ha telling him to stand forth, his arm could have been puffed right out back to no hand. I mean, back to normal. I mean, just saying that, stand up, stand forth. Anything could happen right then. But... He had to continue on because he had to grill those people and ask them that question. Is it lawful? Which he knew exactly where to go, didn't he? They're following the law. Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? Is it lawful to... I mean, he knew exactly the question to ask them. Which, doesn't God do that to you sometimes? He asks you that exact question, hitting that exact place where you might be a little off. Did I, whatever. So, you know, like Satan knows the same thing too. But God knows. God knows it all. Is it good to, to heal on the Sabbath? Is it lawful or is it evil? We could say Tobin Ra, that version of the Greek. To save life or to kill. But it said they held their peace. So you look that word up and you see... Let me go to it because that's on my next page of notes. Peace, well, held their peace is all one word. 
and I don't want to try to pronounce it, but anyway, it means to be silent, an involuntary stillness or an inability to speak. That's what that word means. Hold their peace. And really, when Jesus spoke to them, you know, the religious leaders had this interrogative question from Jesus. Is it good? Is it bad? Is it wrong? Is it right? You know, is it lawful? They had nothing. They, they were like, you know, to have the disable and enable button on your, on your cell phone. They were disabled by the words that he spoke. They they didn't have a they didn't have an answer that would carry their narrative respectfully. Yeah, they they didn't have any way to keep going with uh you know with their agenda. Mm. Okay, what are we gonna do now? Huh? Oh. <laughs> we'll just let them let them keep going. So, and in verse five, you know, all this is happening, and it says, you know, when Jesus had looked round about. So when you look at round about. It's a word that talks about he was concerned. It was a concerning look that he was giving. But that word has the word blepo in it. And we've seen that word blepo before. And it means to see with the mind's eye, to have understanding, to discern what's what's what. You, you see. So it was a different version. It's not always with your eyes when you look at blepo. Mind's eye is something totally different. Right? We know that we can see with our heart. And that's what Jesus was doing. And he was, not, he was not happy. He was very agitated. He was very indignant at what they were doing. That's what the word anger means. He, his soul was agitated by what he was seeing. His heart was bothered by what was being seen, what he could see. And it says, um, I keep losing my place. And it says, being greed for the hardness of their hearts. So he was not only angry by what he was seeing, but he was also affected by what he saw. There was a sorrow by what he was discerning with his heart about what was happening. The atmosphere at that point, can you imagine the atmosphere at that point? And still, Jesus had a directive, as Larry said, that he had to do. He had to show these people who God, his father, really is. Go ahead, Vic. I'm sure the sorrow was for the fact of what their responsibility was as shepherds of the flock. Yeah. And and they were not being the right type of shepherds by any means. They were doing just the opposite in leading the people. Right. And, of course, the sorrow is truly triggered by the full picture. I mean, here, here he was presenting the most glorious thing that God's plan was coming to, and there was, there was just no favorable response. There, there was a uh, a blockage, a blindness, mm-hmm. and uh, they they weren't seeing it be- for the fact of what was already in their minds, and and to uh, to to see the the um, you know I, I can imagine seeing the the over overwhelming not overwhelming but the the big picture of of how much was being missed uh how much was not going the way god had planned it to go not that god made a mistake but that the the whole idea of the nation of israel was to accept the messiah and to go from there and and it was going in bits and pieces rather than as a full force of the nation moving at one Mm -hmm. and you know 
that was God's plan. It was demonstrated through their escape from Egypt. They moved as a nation, as one. Uh, when they went into Cana, they moved as a nation, as one. And, you know, when the other tribes wanted to stay behind, no, no. You can stay behind, but you have to go in because we're going in as one. And this was the plan. This was how God was functioning. They were all to be moving as one. And truly, this is the church. Hmm. We're to be moving as one, and yet it is a remnant that is moving as one. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it is, it's, we're scattered over the whole earth. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yet there is a significance in that we all move together. And I think that's just sorry from China. <laughs> I didn't turn my sound off. <laughs> One moment, please. Let me turn this off real quick. <laughs> it's Stacy McGill. I'm thinking of you. Okay. I didn't have my phone off. Darn. Okay. So, you know, it's, it's the, they lost the power to understand because of you know the things that were Larry was saying, their mind was out, they had an agenda. Their mind was in a specific place. Now here's the thing: we do this all the time. We do this all the time, whether you realize it or not. You have an agenda. We want it to be God's agenda, but there's times when we have our own agenda because well, it's always been that way. So that's how I'm going to think about it now that it's coming at me. We need to have an agenda that's God-directed, Spirit-driven, and not us or anything. We, you know, you understand what I'm saying. So these guys had this agenda. They were going to, they were going to, you know, find out what was going on. And Jesus looked, he was, he was angry, but he was also grieving because they had a very porous heart. They, they were around when he was teaching things. I know we're only in Mark chapter three, but (laughs) they, I mean, he was in the synagogue talking, speaking. They knew who he was. But what happens is when the truth comes, you either are going to hold on to it and process it correctly, or you're just going to let it fall through your fingers, just going to let it drop to the ground. Yeah, how else could you look at a miracle, and they've probably seen others before this, and be so callous, so hardened to the fact that this man now can function fully, and you don't care? Except that hadn't happened quite yet. No, but I'm... But that was there already. That yes. callousness was there, and that's how it was going to approach. Mm-hmm. I mean, he already knew right, that was, was going agenda. to be the approach mm-hmm. to to what he did because mm-hmm. he could see what their hearts. You, know, you think about what a callus is. Like you get a callus on your foot, and it hurts to walk on it. But it's it gets this hard place, and you know you just you keep pushing through or whatever. But I mean, it it does not allow you to have the proper gait and the proper. Right, you know, function, function properly, that you yeah. need. Right, and so Jesus goes. He, I mean, he just keeps on going, which is what God wants us to do. You have a directive. It might get hard. It might feel icky. It my atmospheres may totally stink, but you must continue moving forward. He hears what they're saying. He knows what's going on because he's discerning their hearts. He declares what he sees because that's what God told him to do. And I'm sure in the group there was more than just the Pharisees there. Who else was he talking to when he said, your, your hearts are hardened? Who, who else was there that he was speaking to? So he keeps going, stretch forth your hand, and he stretched it out, and his hand was restored whole as the other. 
Now this word restored is a very interesting word because in the midst of that word is the word hasteme. The word, I cannot, apokatisteme. There we go, I got it. I know I could do it. And it means to reconstitute in health, to restore to its former state, we understand, but to return it to its former state in the histeme, on behalf of the histeme, on the characteristic of the histeme. So this man not only got a hand, he also got a hand from the histeme. It was part of the healing process. And, and I think that's part of the things that Pastor Ron has seen and been talking about when we were there last at the conference where he said, you know, healing, and, and it's here, and, and it's part of the histeme. It's part, it's part of the histeme in Dallas. It, I'm not saying it's not part of it here. I'm just saying it definitely is. In that region, it's very obvious. So this really seems to be saying that uh, not only was his hand healed, but it was restored to its skill that it used to have. Exactly. Exactly. The calling, the skill, the characteristics, even though it's just a hand, that whole thing's got to play in there. Well, the muscle memory was returned. Yes. Wouldn't that be cool? You know, I, I, this is the <laughs> same thing that happened at uh, the Gate Beautiful with uh, Peter and John. Mm-hmm. I mean... That the man's leg was healed, or his legs were healed. He'd been crippled 40 years, but it, he just wasn't able to, like, stand on something he couldn't stand on before. Right. He was leaping. You didn't have to go to rehab, Larry. That's yeah. what you're saying. Right. He, he <laughs> was jumping and leaping. He had skill brought to his legs that was in balance, that was in ability to launch himself, to land and, and yep. land in balance Leap. and not fall over. I mean, yeah. there, that's a... Talk to a dancer how, how that has to be learned, mm-hmm. you know. And, and so there's this skill. It, it's, it's beyond just restoring. It is, it is uh, bringing um, a, a muscle memory or what it's supposed to be, like you said. It, it's what it was supposed to do in the beginning. Yeah. And so all this happens, and what is the response of the Pharisees? Yeah. <laughs> that's exactly it and they they set off to figure out how to how to stop what god was doing that's really what they were trying to do which when you say it out loud is really silly but that's what they were doing because why their hearts were blind they were had had they had retained nothing that god was trying to show them so let's look at uh, Mark six forty five through fifty two. Now this is a one that has the word "poroo" in it, the derivative right below that. But still, this is a very interesting scripture because in Mark chapter six, at the near right above this scripture, this is where Jesus does the first thing of the loaves and the fishes: five fish, two loaves. We did all this thing, and the disciples were there, right? Okay, so straight away he constrained or he compelled the disciples to get into the ship and go to the other side before unto Bethsaida. Well, he sent away the people. And what did he do? And when he had sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray, of course, prosuke. And when, e- and when even was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea and he alone on the land. And he saw them toiling and rowing, for the wind was contrary or it was opposing them. 
And about the fourth watch of the night, he comes unto them, walking upon the sea, and would have passed by them. Sounds like his intention was to just keep on going. But when they saw him walking upon the sea, they supposed it had been a spirit and cried out. For they all saw him and were troubled. Okay. They were, okay, I'll keep going. We're the same way. I don't know why I keep stopping. And immediately he talked with them and said unto them, Be of good cheer. It is I, be not afraid. And he went up unto them into the ship, and the wind ceased. And they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure and wondered. For they considered not the miracle of the loaves, but see, you see, miracles not, the miracle is not in the King James. For they considered not of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. Their heart was blind. This is the disciples. And, and after this, he talked to him again and said, okay, well, you know, you were there too. You know, hear Mater talking, you were there too. <laughs> how, many, how many baskets did you pick up after the five loaves and two bread? They said, seven. So, Hello. I mean, we can say this in the natural, how absurd it is. But in the spiritual, what lesson, what spiritual meat did they miss? during that time of the five loaves and the two fishes. What did they miss? What were they not understanding? I mean, we could have a long list if we wanted to. But they missed it. They missed what he was really trying to tell them. They were present. None of them, you know, they were able to answer questions about the event, but they missed what God was doing in that place. What was God doing in that place? What was God directing his son to show them that he, God, through the Son, Jesus, has fresh bread for you every day. You will always be supplied. You, you'll, never, you'll never go, not just literally hungry, you'll never go spiritually hungry if your eyes are always on the Father and always with Jesus. I mean, they missed, they missed it. And he, he said, look, man. <laughs> and he knew, he knew it, too. Because he said that they, they did not consider. So you look at that word consider, and it's, it means to put together to be able to comprehend. They couldn't put it together. So that's why they were amazed and sore, whatever, sore amazed and wondered. They were still trying to probably process it with their mind instead of their mind's eye of their heart. That's probably what was going on. And so... I'm, I put this in here because if the disciples who were present and could see it in the natural and after all this could answer questions about that, you were there, yeah, you were there too, yeah. How many baskets do we have? Seven. So they were there. They still needed to put it together. They still needed to figure it out. We could be the same way. God could be talking to you about something new for you to understand, something expanding your understanding of what he's doing and you're still here, and God said, no, it's all of this. Look at all of this. Got to have a teacher-seer capacity in the midst of an apostolic move that's like grinding you down to nothing while being offended because it's prophetic, okay? <laughs> there she comes. You ready? Okay. Yeah. It's like acupuncture. <laughs> 
Go, Carmen. I've been doing it for 15 years. I love it. It's great. Okay. Anyhow, when she puts the needle in, it doesn't really hurt that much. Mm-hmm. It's after that. Because then she'll say, if you want to be healed, I need to go to where the pain is. And she needs to press it in really hard. Okay, you and can it only stop hurts. describing it. It's <laughs> real, only for a second that it hurts. Mm-hmm. But what gets you is the anticipation. Oh. It'll kill you. Oh. And it, to me, this is a picture of what Jesus is trying to do. He's trying to say, your flesh is something that you need to use, not live by. Mm-hmm. It's a tool. It's a thing that you're supposed to be using to interpret, to receive, to, to modify your life, to acclimate to from the sin that you learned in Eden to what I really want you to do for eternity. You know, and they just didn't get that through the law. Because it was actually too straightforward, I think. <laughs> but, you know, yeah. that flesh thing is a tangible yep. thing that we're learning to actually ignore. And so, exactly. You know, I mean, I've had her I took, come in and I said, you know, I've been sniffling and coughing for the last two hours. I think I, I'm not going to be able to receive anything. I'm going to close my ears because she's going to And about she'll it. say, just stand, sit there for a second. <laughs> she'll poke a needle right there. It didn't even hurt. And she'll poke it right between right here. And she goes, how do you feel? And I went like this. She goes, you're going to be better. And I didn't have a cold. (laughs) I mean, so sometimes what God wants to do, the reason I say that is is, it's so simple. What he can get our spirit to do if we let him use our flesh and our mind and our hearts to do it his way. Yep. And I think that's, that's a, I mean, it's a continued emphasis as a saint because this is what we have to work with. I'm sorry, this is what I have to work with. <laughs> this is what God has to work with. But can he work with it? Absolutely. And I always go back to, he used a donkey, didn't he? And so, oh, yeah. Oh, all right. All right. <laughs> I'll tell you what. So, um, and you know, you might want to write this down, guys. Go look at Mark 8, 17 through 21. Because that's when he's, he talks to the disciples who then have a weird agenda when it comes to bread again. When he said, watch out for the leaven. And then they all start going, do we not, do we forget the bread again? And you, you know, it wasn't, that's not always, okay. So something to reference that might, might be nifty kino. Okay, I think we're on the last scripture. Yes, Ephesians 4, 17 through 19. One more thing to write down. The last, the other scripture, because I said there were three, is in Romans 11.25. But this is where the Lord led me to go and not to Romans 11.25. So here we are in Ephesians 4, 17 through 19. And I have to tell you, this might hit a little closer home for some of us as we read this. It says, This I say and testify in the Lord, that you henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk, as other ethnic, ethnic people walk, in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from life, from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. All those things above happen because of the blindness of their heart. Who being past feeling have given themselves over to lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. Okay. Look at this scripture, obviously, when you're talking about, they're saying the reason these other things happen, the reason that there's a vanity of the mind, 
the reason their understanding is darkened, the reason they're, be, they're alienated from the life of God through the ignorance is because they're blind. It's because they have a porous heart. It's because they have a porous mind. It's because they'll come in one eye and went out the other. That deal still sounds gross. One ear and out the other. <laughs> Sorry. I thought I could make it work, but I just can't. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No. Okay. <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a sad thing that occurs, but this is something that happens now. And we know people that have at one point understood, had some kind of understanding about God, and now they're not here, and now the things that are doing, oh, okay, go. And to help with the in the eye and out the eye, okay. uh, you see truth, and yet what comes out, you know, it all, it all gets processed in the brain. So what comes out is your version of what you saw. You know, you, you see what you want to see, and, and you reject what doesn't fit your narrative. And, you know, you'll have, you'll have um, that blockage. I, I, they, they saw the miracle, but they didn't see the miracle. They saw an adversary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting that they, they, they have, you know, they have big issues with, like, like I've said before, people that are eyewitnesses to an event, eyewitnesses to a crime or whatever. And they, they, it's a hard time getting it all to say the same thing or come somewhere in the near vicinity of, because people are not that observant. But we, as saints and as sons, we are observant in the Spirit. We will see what God is showing us, not anything else. And that, yeah, lots of discipline is needed for us to walk in non-blindness. Say it that way. So we look at this scripture, and you can see, um, who wrote Ephesians? Was it Paul? Yep. We're not going to walk like everybody else walks. We already know that. I know people say if it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it's a duck, whatever. We're going to walk as a saint. We're going to walk as a son. We're going to walk our pathway, our treading of our feet, all for the Lord. But we're also not going to be in, we're not, we're not walking with vanity of the mind, which, you know, we know what vanity means. I'll just say it. It means empty or profitless. We're not going to have a profitless mind. We're going to have a mind that's of Christ. It's going to function. It's going to process things correctly as in God's way. Um, having understanding darkened. Now, here's what I, I need help with. The word understanding is that word. Oh, that's the word, Dianoia, which Pastor Ron, and I can't remember. I don't have my notes. That's what I needed your help with. Where are your notes at? Mine are at home too. Who remembers that teaching? Anyway, it's the it's the deep thought. Those things that are that Larry has it. Okay, maybe Zach has it. Somebody. It, it really sp- it's speaking about being sharp. It, it speaks about having that that spark like an igniter. Uh, you know, you can have all kinds of fuel, but until you hit the match and throw it on that fuel. <laughs> It goes, and and we are that igniter. It's it's being, it's being um, um, well. It's, it's like being a blasting cap. 
okay. <laughs> on dynamite. You know, dynamite's pretty harmless just sitting there, but when you put that spark to it, that's when it goes. And that's who we are to become in this Dianoia. So the person or the, the group of people that, that Paul is addressing are some that may have had that, but now they really don't. They don't have that spark. They're not feeling and thinking the way the spirit, right. our spirit man, the spirit of God thinks and moves. Yeah, God gives them something. They're just kind of looking at it like a cow looking at a new gate. Okay. <laughs> I'm so glad you said that. I had no idea what he was going to say. I just want you to know that. That's the other thing. Yeah, right? So this says having your understanding darkened, and it means exactly that, covered with darkness. It's covered over. Um, so it also says being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them. Oh, Kim. Kim, you're the bomb. Asking God to give us enhanced measure of perception. Thank you, Kimbo. <laughs> She's so good. Okay, so then, moving on. The alienated, you know, that means exactly what it says, to be shut out, to be a stranger in some place, you know, that, you know, to be whatever. I'll, I'll keep going. We know what life means, Zoe. Daddy. Go ahead. Just, Sorry. No, that's okay. With alienated, it just yes. it also said it's strange from intimacy, which it makes sense. You it really does. Can you, I mean, all of this, keep going through ignorance. We know what ignorance means, lack of knowledge. You know, uh, moral blindness is part of that definition of ignorance. And all of this because... The word because is such a, it's, you know, we see it all the time, but it's the, I'm going to read it, the channel of an act. It's what, what things go through. All those things happen because it's going through a blind heart. Blindness of their heart. And it goes on to say, who being past feeling, raise your hand if you've ever been there, not want to have any feelings i'm done with this okay you guys all can understand this have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness imagine that you got that kind of blindness going on that top stuff's happening because of blindness and it goes on to say this is what happens to people that are that blind that are how do you snap out of it? I don't know the answer right now besides prayer and God intervening. But you go into a place that you, that's just absolutely nasty. You start doing things that are absolutely depraved. And I think we're seeing that, like, we knew it was there to a degree, but we're seeing it really heightened. Like, after God did that miracle with, you know, the abortion thing mm -hmm. last oh, yeah. week, struck, had that struck down. And then all of a sudden you see like, the, it's like there's been fuel put on the fire of people that absolutely just want to murder children. And they don't care about saying it that way. They, they, they you don't. know, it's just a blatant. Blind. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's just, response. I mean, but it's just a, a wanton. I think back to Hitler's time. Mm -hmm. And I think this is so much worse because Maybe it is. It's, it's so in your face and it's so, I don't even care what it should look like in society and what society should thinks about it this is how i'm going about it 
and I don't care who hears it and who knows it. And actually, I want to force it down your kid's throat as well. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a really evil agenda, and it's, and it's an extreme evil agenda to me, what, what's happening in the world overall. Go ahead, Carmen. Okay. So the word past feeling, by the way, being past feeling is the word apogeo. I don't think I quite said it right, but it's really funny definition because it means to grieve out. We're going to grieve out, man. <laughs> but it, it's talking about becoming apathetic. It's talking about ceasing to feel pain or grief. It's talking about becoming callous. It's talking about insensible to pain. You know, just totally ignoring oh, that gut feeling that you get that this is not right. Go ahead. All right, you get it. <laughs> um, it makes me think, why does God go to these places? Why did Jesus do this? Why did he apply himself to something that was so dark, that was so blind, and he knew that the outcome was going to be, it wasn't going to be like what we think. We think, oh, there'll be great understanding and revelation, and, and they'll go, oh, my gosh, that's goodness, that's truth, that's glory, that's light, that's beautiful, that's wonderful. We're saved. Yay, God. You know, never, really. I don't think there was much of that. You know, you don't hear much about that. And I know there was a few times, maybe, but. No, you're, you're right. But. Again, it goes back to the acupuncture. <laughs> I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. Because it, it takes that going deeper, too. Mm -hmm. You know, um, people don't realize that they're, because of their desire to want to join and um, be valued and, and be a part of something. And, and we do as well as saints. And I think that's one of the things that we need to be cautious about because we can think, well, I'm not being applied to anything where it's explosive and, and really important. I need to be up at Washington, or I need to be in, in the Vatican. I don't know, where, no, wherever you think. No, right, wherever you think. Happens. Quote, unquote, that yeah. you're supposed to be valued, you know. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why we lose people, too. But we need to have the mindset that is being shown here, like you were just talking about, that we're going past those feelings, mm -hmm. and we're submitting to God. And then... Right. Why else would we be getting these revelations that others obviously are not getting? Right. And well, going back to uh, Carmen's acupuncture, it's a small thing, and yet it affects the whole body. Um, you know, Jesus specifically, it, you know, part of it was, okay, confronting these, these guys, giving them something to think about, um, but it's a it's part of the overall plan, and uh, we're not told the backstory of who this guy was with with her hand or what happened to him afterwards. Right. We're not told the backstory about the people who saw this mm -hmm. and what they did, what they became, what struggles they had that they were able to overcome. Uh, we're just told in general terms. Many believed, even the Pharisees. Many Pharisees, even though they failed to speak out for fear of being thrown out of the synagogues, uh, they believed. Um, and, uh, you know, so, so there, is, there is all kinds of things. And then we have the illustration where the shepherd goes out after the one sheep. Um, you know, the, there, the, the magnitude of what God does is not measured in numbers but in effect. 
and, and what effect Jesus was having at that point was not just a uh, physical thing, but it had to do with the enemy's kingdom. And, and there was something that he had established there as a stronghold that was broken at that point, that was uh, fractured, that was hindered, and, and it was disabled due, due to the testimony of the fact that the guys couldn't answer. So there was, there was a, a kingdom set up by the enemy, and when Jesus did that, it, it, was, it was fractured. So that point, that histemi, uh, at, at that particular place, was changed. The atmosphere was changed. The histemi was changed. There was something now that was functioning on behalf of the Father that hadn't been functioning before, that had been derailed before by the enemy himself. So, you know, uh, we get this, this absolutely marvelous story about this guy's hand being um, restored, but there was more being restored than just his hand. And I think that's a significant thing that we see in our own lives where we do something that we know God has shown us, and it doesn't seem to have a great result, but that little thing that was done is really significant in the spiritual kingdom, and we got to keep that in mind so that we don't become, uh, like you said, what good did it do? We have to know that it, it did good because God planned it or God showed us what to do. Did you want to say, I know what time it is. Did you want to say something else? Okay. This, this makes me think back to Mark's teaching last week. If any of you got to listen to it, it was called Lost. And he was giving a different perspective of what the word lost in Scripture means. He said, you know, he was raised to believe, as was I, that the lost are always talking about those people that don't know God, don't know Jesus, aren't Christians, aren't in the church. But he said, almost when you look at almost all the Scriptures, Old and New Testament, they're talking over and over about the lost, like Jesus came to only minister to the lost of Israel. Well, those are the ones that were part of Israel. They belong to God. Um, Peter said, I would have that none of you be lost, as he's talking to the church, to the Gentile, to the um, sons, the saints, and to the brethren. And so you can, the lost is talking about really wandering around without being led by the breath of God. And so we're either led by the breath or we're lost. Mm -hmm. And that's really when it says, I don't want you to walk as this in the hardness of heart. But the right. only way you can do that is to be led by the breath of God. Absolutely. Amen on that one. <laughs> All right. So no blindness, please. But now you understand the blindness that's in the world right now. It's a it's a huge it's a huge enemy tactic. Prince of the world. Prince of the uh, prince of this world that just runs around just zipping out at people every which way to Sunday. Ooh. We're on Sunday. So, Father, thank you for the insight of this, pun intended, that we are able to understand uh, some enemy tactics, but that we also understand your ways even more. Let us be led by your spirit. Let us think and let us feel, I'll even say that, feel as your spirit thinks and as your spirit feels. Let it not have anything to do with us. As a matter of fact, Father, please give us that little button that we can push to turn our flesh off when we need to and just <laughs> be led by the Spirit. I, I would like some kind of a button like that, a reminder, Lord, turn off the flesh, make sure it's just a spirit man that's, that's moving and, and grooving and moving within us. 
So thank you very much, God. You are awesome, and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> I meant the influence of the flesh. Maybe I should have said it that way, Carmen.